0: Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are bringing hope and impacting our community by leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from,
1: we believe your life will be transformed through this week's message. So let's jump right into it. All right. Wow. A lot of going on around here. Man, it's awesome. You look good today. Look at your neighbor and say, you cleaned up well. You look really good. Look at the other neighbor so they don't feel bad and give them a wink or at least a high five or something. You know, we want everybody to feel equally well. You ever, uh, somebody ever been to a restaurant and they tell you, man, if you ever get a chance in that city, you need to go to that restaurant. You need to eat there. It's really good. So you look forward to the time that you can go to that restaurant. For three long years, I've been hearing Paula Danielle, Paula Danielle, Paula Danielle, Paula Danielle. For three years, Lisa and Chris and others that have gone to the Orange. And so we said, yeah, sometime we would love to have Paula in. And so today is that Kairos day in which that she is here with us. Paula has been in ministry for 25 years. I know she doesn't look that old. Uh, She started when she was four. Uh, She's been in ministry, full-time ministry for 25 years in kids and youth ministry, and now is associate pastor of a large church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, She's a featured speaker in a lot of different areas. She's working on her PhD at Duke University. Catch this. Catch this, Howie in Biblical Interpretation of Racial Reconciliation. Wow, wow, wow. That's over my head, but I'm looking forward to reading that book one of these days. She also has a movement called Listen, L-I-S apostrophe N, in which she challenges people to use their words to use their words to love God and to reconcile to each other. She's a mother of three lovely, beautiful girls, and we are so thrilled and privileged that she is with us today. Would you stand on your feet and give a warm welcome to Paula Danielle today.
0: Good morning, Father's house. Good morning, good morning. Thank you, Pastor Terry, for that great introduction. Did y'all see he didn't look down? I was like, he not reading nothing. Like, he rattling that off the top of his head. Um, I don't have that gift, Duke or not, so we're going to go with these notes. amen, amen. So um, I am so honored to be here with you all. Thank you, Pastor Terry and Pastor Anita for the invitation, Lisa, Pastor Chris. So many of y'all have um, shown just an extreme amount of hospitality since I got here. And so thank you so much. Your, um, your, is that your mission or like your state, the love God, love people? It's the mission. That is abundant here that you all are doing that. So thank you um, so much for welcoming me. I am not going to be before you long, but I do believe that there is a word from the Lord for us, uh, because it came from me first. Amen? So I do believe that there is a word from the Lord. We are going to be in 2 Kings chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 7. And if you have your Bibles, um, I would love if you would turn. So that I know in this uh, new, new day where we have all this technology, a lot of us don't bring our Bibles to church because we, we have the screen. And even when it's on our phone, we don't turn to it because we, we have the screen. But if you actually use that app or your Bible or your paper, you could take your own notes. So I always try to encourage the people of God or people here uh, at the church to actually open your Bible. Open your Bible. So 2 Kings chapter 7, uh, and we are going to read verses 3 through 11 uh, for the benefit of brevity, for the sake of our time. So when you find it, if you will stand with me in honor of the Word of God. I understand sometimes you all do that. Um, So if you all will stand with me in honor of the Word of God, and I will read it out loud if you all will follow along. Now, there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. Why should we sit here waiting to die, they asked each other. We will starve if we stay here, but with the famine in the city, we gonna starve if we go back there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the Aramian army. If they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, then we would've died anyway. So at twilight, they set out for the camp of the Arameans. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Aramean army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and Egyptians to attack us, they cried to one another. So they panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys, and everything else as they fled for their lives. When the lepers arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking wine. And they carried off silver and gold and clothing, and they hid it. Finally, they said to each other, this is not right. This ain't, this ain't cool what we're doing. This ain't. This ain't gonna get it. This is, a, this is a day of good news and we aren't sharing it with anyone. If we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come on, let's go back and tell the people at the palace. So they went back to the city and told the gatekeepers what had happened. We went out to the Aramean camp, they said, and no one was there. Verse 11, the horses and donkeys were tethered And the tents were all in order, but there wasn't a single person around. Sorry, verse 11. Then the gatekeepers shouted the news to the people in the palace. This is the word of God for the people of God. We are thankful to God. Let me pray for us. So Lord God, we thank you so much for your word that is life. God, illuminate it in this moment that it will be light to our feet and our path. God, speak through me. God, that every single season that is represented in this room will be ministered to by what you have to say. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. So um, when I was, you all can be seated. You all can be seated. Thank you so much. Um, when I was a kid, uh, well, when I was like a young kid, we got it later, um, I played with puzzles a lot. I loved cardboard puzzles. I played with them a lot, because when Nintendo and Sega came out, my mama couldn't afford it. I don't know if any of y'all could afford it. But so Super Mario and Duck Hunt and all of that back in the day, that wasn't in my house. We did puzzles, we did Barbies, we did books. So I played with puzzles a lot, but I was never very good at it. Never very good at it. I put the four sides together, like the corners right, first, go first, and then you put the sides together, And then by about that time, I was bored. (laughs) And so the picture, uh, I didn't need to put it together because it was on the box. I knew what it was gonna be. So it just got folded up and put back in the box. Um, So I was never very good at puzzles. Um, Even when it came to like the little Rubik's cube, whatever, I still haven't figured it out. Don't know, But, but puzzles just weren't my thing. And I realized that I I lacked patience, one, to continue working on the inside after I had accomplished making it look good on the outside. I lacked patience. Um, I lacked foresight. I lacked foresight to understand that there's something more to be gained from putting together a puzzle than a pretty picture. There is something more to be gained in putting together a puzzle than a pretty picture, but but you know, at the young at my young age, I lacked I lacked foresight and um I lacked grit. I lacked grit to keep trying because there were some other things I was good at. So why would I keep working at something I couldn't do? Exactly. So I lacked grit to keep trying. And while I realize I'm probably not the only person, somebody wave at me if you also were not great. Hey, I'm not alone. It's good to be at home. All right, (laughs) it's good to be at home. I wasn't the only one that lacked the ability to get a puzzle done. I didn't have it, some of y'all didn't have it, but I think when we read in our scripture today, when I read it, I started seeing a puzzle that God was trying to put together. And when I started using some biblical interpretation stuff and started mapping out some stuff, I saw like four corners in this chapter and four edges and a whole lot of pieces in the middle. So like elementary schoolers, I need you to take a step back into time and space and work with me as we all work together to put together this puzzle. The first edge I saw, the first edge I saw that God showed me was that if we're going to recognize the purpose in the puzzle, we have to be number one, realistic about our situation. If we're going to recognize the purpose in the puzzle, we have to be realistic about our situation. Verses 3 and 4, Now there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gate. Why should we sit here waiting to die, they asked each other. We will starve if we stay here, but with the famine in the city, we will starve if we go back. So we might as well go out and surrender to the Aramean army, if they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyway. The four lepers at the gate had to realize the dire strait that they were in. They could not go back into the city. Number one, the going back would not have helped. In chapter 6 of 2 Kings, we see that there's a famine that has come into the city of Samaria. So going back, number one, wouldn't have had what they needed to live. The city, the city had a deficit as it was. Not only could they not get, if they dared to go back into the city, couldn't they get what they needed, but they weren't even allowed to try. They were at the city gate because they were lepers. They were at the city gate because they had a disease that made their limbs fall off and made their their eyes ooze and made sores pop out on their skin. And isn't it just like people to want to get rid of us because we have an issue they ain't got? They could not go back into the city, even if they wanted to. They were being realistic with their situation. Like they were like, okay, we can't go back but we can't stay here either. We can't stay here either. Um, How many people know if if your house ain't got it, you ain't got to give it to nobody else? You just don't have it. If you don't have it, you can't give it to anybody else. So if the city doesn't have it, you better believe they're not sending it to the city gate. So they could go back, they'll die. They could stay where they were, they'll die. Or they could go forward And see if God met them. What does it look like when we become realistic about our situation and say, God, where I'm at, I'm dying anyway. In this job that's dead-end, I don't know if I can succeed going back to get some training. I don't know if I can succeed stepping out and starting a business. I don't know if I can succeed doing something else, but where I'm at, I'm dying where, where I could go back to the life I had before. At least I knew somebody, somebody used to say, well, at least I knew the demons I was dealing with then. And we like, and we get in this place where we're like, I don't know if I'll go forward in God, but at least I knew what alcoholism alcoholism had for me. At least I knew what drug addiction had for me. At least I knew what living in debt and gambling addiction and all this stuff had for me. And so sometimes in this practical world, we're like, God, do I go forward in you or do I go back to what I know? And recognizing where you're at in your state is, is extremely important to being able to go forward. You cannot overcome something you are in denial about. You cannot overcome something you are in denial about. You have to be realistic about your situation. Whatever you are facing today, let me help you. If they would have went back, they would have died. If you go back, you will die. I feel God speaking prophetically. Somebody in here, this is your moment to choose if you're going to go forward or if you're going to go back and die. Be realistic about your situation. I promise you God has something for them moving forward. Let's continue to press. Be realistic about where you're at. It's okay. It's okay. They had some really bad circumstances going on. But if we're going to recognize the purpose in the puzzle, we have to be realistic about our situation so that we can receive the Lord's provision. Them being realistic in that moment, push them forward so that they can receive the Lord's provision. If you're going to recognize the purpose in the puzzle one more time, you have to receive the Lord's provision. Verses 5 through 7. So at twilight, they set out for the camp of the Arameans. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the the Aramean army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and Egyptians to attack us, they cried to one another. So they panicked. And ran into the night, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys, and everything else as they fled for their lives. Once you decide to make a decision to go forward, that was verse 4. They said, we're going to go forward. I promise you God will meet you. If you trust God and moving forward, I promise you he will meet you. David said it like this, I have never seen. The righteous forsaken, nor their sword, the sea begging bread. He will meet you. So, God did it in this way for the four lepers. Number one, He changed time. He allowed their journey to take the day so that when they reached the camp of the Arameans, it would be night. I don't know how long this shift is taking you, but just know. God is changing time. I don't know how long the journey is taking you. Just know God is changing time. And if you've already gotten there and it looks dark, God's not done working. See, he does his best work in darkness and chaos where he says, let there be light, uh-huh. So when there is darkness, don't get discouraged. God is, God is removing the enemy from you. Go ahead. Take the journey through time. Don't get scared by the darkness. Don't get scared by the darkness. Take the opportunity in it. Receive the Lord's provision because in the darkness, God confused the enemy. God confused the enemy in darkness. The darkness, the Arameans thought the Hittites and the Egyptians had attacked them, that they were coming. And so they, they fled from an enemy that wasn't even there. Isn't that just like God to make folk think something is happening so he can open up the door for you, so he can open up the way for you, right? They ran off and left all their stuff. I love when people leave their stuff for me to pick it up. I'm standing on some promises right now that people left their stuff for me to pick it up. They moved on, they left, they thought they were being attacked and God was like, that's okay, I got somebody for this. That's okay, I got somebody taking a journey. That's okay, I got somebody coming. They left and the four lepers who stepped out on faith left a city that was in famine, had all their stuff. He confused the enemy and created space created space for the four lepers to receive the Lord's provision. Just a few verses ago, they were like, "Uh, I don't know. Go or stay, go or stay, go or stay. Isn't it amazing how quickly God moves when we get obedient? God moves quick when we get obedient. Even when it looks dark, he's like, I'm doing stuff, doing a quick work. So if we're going to receive... We're going to recognize the purpose in the puzzle. We have to be realistic about our situation. We're going to have to receive the Lord's provision. Thirdly, we have to recognize the opportunity. Recognize the opportunity. Thirdly, verses 8 and 9, we have to recognize the opportunity. When the men with leprosy arrived at the edge of the camp, They went into one tent after another, eating and drinking wine, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and hid it. Finally, they said to each other, This is not right. This is a day of good news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. If we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come on, let's go back and tell the people at the palace. God worked at night to clear the way but the lepers had to recognize the opportunity. God worked at night to, let, to, to clear the way, but the lepers had to recognize the opportunity. How silly would it have been for them to leave Samaria, get to the Aramean camp, see nobody is there, and be like, well, all this stuff is here, but you told me, all this stuff is here, but you know what, they might come back, so let's run away. They might be setting a trap, so let's run away. It might not be what we need, so let's run away. We might get caught, so let's run away. Don't let your mites mess up your blessing. When God gives you an opportunity, take the opportunity. Do not let fear stop you from pursuing purpose. They could have had 21 questions for the Lord. But they went in to the opportunity God had provided. I believe they went to the Aramean camp with expectation. So when opportunity was there, they were able to seize it. It's one thing to leave where you are and expect to be defeated. It's another thing to leave where you are and know that God is going to show up. They went with expectation. So they were able to seize the opportunity. They were able to seize the opportunity because God was restoring what they had been without. God himself restored what they had been without. I would say it like this, God got them right. God got them right. When the people left them at the city gate, the people couldn't heal them, the people didn't have provision for them, God restored what they had been without. I don't know what the enemy stole this last season, but I serve a God that is able to restore what you've been without. That last song, I almost ran around this place. I'm so glad I get to do this service again, because that last song was awesome. God has a way of restoring what you have been without. I don't know if you've been without hope. I don't know if you've been without joy. I don't know if you've been without money. I don't know if you've been without food. I don't know if you've been lonely. I don't know what you're doing without. But God has a way. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, he has a way of restoring what you've been without. I ain't talking about what I heard. I'm talking about what I know. God has a way of restoring what you have been without. So the four lepers went into the camp. They got the food they needed. They got the drink that they needed. They got silver and gold and clothing and all that they needed. And then they said, we got to share what God has given us. Then they said, we got to share what God has given us. No, you cannot pour water from an empty pitcher. But when God gives you a pitcher and he feels that thing, do me a favor, share it with somebody else who needs it. Don't, don't forget that everything God has given you is not for you. Everything God has given you is not for you. We live in this great country that is greedy and fat, with a whole lot of abundance and prosperity. And we sometimes in the church take on that same mentality, and we're American dreaming it. And in the richest country in the world, kids are going hungry. In the richest country of the world, veterans can't get health care. In the richest country of the world, people are homeless because some of us in the church are hoarding everything that God has given us, and God is saying, Give it out. Give it out. When God restores what you've been without, share what God has given you. And maybe that's not even monetary. If God has blessed you in your life, you got some wisdom, by all means, give it to the generations that are coming behind you. The generations coming behind us should not have to learn the same things we had to learn because we didn't tell them. Now, I got three young adults, so if they don't listen, you know what I'm saying. What can you do? What can you do? But it can't be because we didn't share the information. Share what God has given you. If we're going to recognize the purpose in the puzzle, we have to be realistic about our situation. We have to receive the Lord's provision. We have to recognize the opportunity when God reveals it. And we have to remember the others. So, verse uh, point four again, remember the others. We have to remember the others. Recognize the opportunity. After you do that, though, remember the others. Verses 10 through 11. So they went back to the city and told the gatekeepers what had happened. We went out to the Aramian camp, they said, and no one was there. The horses and the donkeys were tethered and the tents were all in order. But there wasn't a single person around. Then the gatekeeper shouted the news to the people in the palace. They went back to the city, not just for the stuff that that Israel could gain, but also to restore what Israel had lost too. It is possible for you to be hurting and other people to be hurting too. We can think that we're in so much pain that it's only us. But truth be told, the whole city was in a famine. The whole city was experiencing pain. And so they went back. Not only them them going back reminded them of who God was, reminded them that God had not forgotten about them. I know somebody may have put you aside, somebody may have pushed you out, somebody may have called you out and done harm to you, but you might be the one person going back that reminds them who God is, who God is. Them going back showed forgiveness for the people that had done them wrong. The lepers did not have to go back. They could have gathered up all the stuff they could and gone another direction they literally, God, we thank you. Instead of going forward, they literally went back to where they had been mistreated to save somebody else. What does it look like to reach down and pull somebody up when God gives you what you need? What does forgiveness look like for the person that did you wrong? What does it look like and how does God use that to show God's love for them? They went back and remembered the others. They took love They took forgiveness, they took love, and they restored joy. There's nothing like forgiveness and love to restore somebody's joy. If it is true, and I believe it is, that hurt people hurt people, hurt people are healed by forgiveness and love that brings them joy. We want to stop hurt people from hurting people. You cannot do that with hate. I know this is Black History Month, one of my favorite quotes from Dr. King is, hate cannot drive out hate. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only love can do that. Only love can do that. So forgiveness and love will bring joy where there once was complete devastation, where there once was hopelessness, where there once was discouragement, because the lepers walked out their purpose so God could be seen in the puzzle. The purpose was not for the leprous men to get rich. Hear me, you walking forward from where you're at, you arriving at the Aramean camp, God confusing the enemy is not for us to get all we can and can all we get. That's not it. The puzzle is complete when the edges come together And we allow God to fill in the picture. The children of Israel could witness the power of God's promise because the four lepers were willing to be the edges. This is what happened if we keep reading. God redeemed in in the open spaces. I said like this, there was redemption in open spaces. You might say, what happened to verses 1 through 2 and 18 through 20? Well... They're, <laughs> they're the inside of the picture. Remember, I told you I ain't had no patience, man. I, when, I, when I first read this, I was like, yep, 3 through 11, here we go. A few verses after that, God, I got you. God was like, don't miss 1 through 2 and 18 through 20. And truth be told, I was kind of willing to miss it because it required some extra study of me. And I just needed to turn in my outline and the, and the, and the slides. And I, <laughs> But God was like, don't miss what I'm doing in the picture in redeeming and redeeming in open spaces. We see in verses 1 through 2 and 18 through 20 next to each other, Elisha told them how God was going to heal the famine. Elisha told. Reply, listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. This is verse 1. By this time tomorrow in the markets of Samaria, God's going to do this. Six quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver, and 12 quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. The officer assisting the king, his right-hand man, his right-hand advisor, said that couldn't happen. Even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven, said it ain't happening. Elijah said, you will see it. It's going to be a thing. Okay, it will happen. You'll see it with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat it. You're going to see it. It's going to be a thing, but you won't be able to eat it. When the four lepers left and they went into the Aramean camp and the Arameans were gone And they took the food and the wine and the clothes. And then they went back. That's another edge. They went back and told the people what God had prepared for them, that the Arameans were gone. They were literally setting up the fulfillment of Elijah's prophecy. They were literally setting up the fulfillment of what God said he was going to do. Who is waiting for your edge to fall into place so that they can see what God can do? When they did it, they went back. The man of God, the people rushed out of the gate. They went to the Aramean camp. Well, they sent the king of Israel, excuse me, sent people to spy out the Aramean camp. They said, yep, they tell telling the truth. The people went and got the stuff. When they came back, they trampled the king's advisor. The king's advisor saw. All that God had provided, but he couldn't take place in it. Let's not be the doubter that knows what God can do, but we don't get to take place in it because we refuse to believe it can happen. Let's not do that. He saw all that God had provided, but because he doubted the man of God in the beginning of that chapter, he was not able to take place in it because it's never doubting the person who delivers the word. It's doubting the God that is speaking through the person. Never doubt the voice of God speaking to you because you don't want to receive it from his vessel. That's what that man did and got trampled in the gate. God is no stranger to redeeming in open spaces. He redeemed Elisha publicly in an open space. The lepers who had been cast out, he redeemed them in an open space. He redeemed Samaria in an open space. God is no stranger to redeeming, There's some other people he redeemed, my Bible readers, I think he redeemed Moses in an open space. When he brought him to bring out the children of Israel from slavery and they crossed the Red Sea, that was an open space. I believe he did it again for Joshua when the new generation of Israel needed to cross over to Canaan and he split the, red, the Jordan and then again created an open space. If I have any New Testament readers, he did it with the woman at the well, and he redeemed her in an open at a public space at the high of noon the woman who nobody wanted to deal with she was the one who went back and saved her whole town of Sakkar because God is no stranger to redeeming in an open space there was a woman with the alabaster box in a house full of leaders and people with authority they wanted to know what business did she have spilling and worshiping at Jesus' feet. And Jesus said, Jesus redeemed in an open space, in a room full of men that didn't want her there. Jesus redeemed in an open space. God is no stranger to redeeming in an open space. So when you move forward and He sets you up with an open space, just know God redeemed the open space. God redeemed the open space. The purpose of the puzzles in our lives is so that the world can witness the power of God's promises. There are puzzles in our lives, things we cannot solve, things we don't know how it's going to work out. We don't know what's going to happen with our grown children sometime. We don't know how God is going to heal our baby. We don't know what's gonna happen with the mortgage or the rent. We don't know what's gonna happen in our bodies. But I promise you, if you step out in God, I promise you, if you're realistic about your situation, if you receive the Lord's provision, if you recognize the opportunity, go back, remember the ones who may be hurting around you. God is faithful to redeem in open spaces. As I got older, I'm still not very good with uh, cardboard puzzles. Guess it's just not my thing. I keep trying, because I don't like being defeated by inanimate objects. And I also, you know, at summer camp, I hate when third graders can put a puzzle together before I can. It'll keep you humble. So I keep working on puzzles. This one thing I have learned is that the puzzles in my life, God is able to fill in the picture. If I will do what he's telling me to do on the edges, God will redeem me in open spaces. If you're willing to do what he's telling you to do on the edges, his faithfulness, his forgiveness, his goodness will redeem the open spaces. All my life, he's been faithful. All my life. He said, Duke now. But see, I'm a food stamp baby. I, I'm not the only one. Don't look at me like I'm alone. Right? I understand baloney and cereal and hot dogs and beanie weenies and ramen noodle. I get all of that. I was a food stamp baby. My father left. I've dealt with depression. I had children and had their father leave. I've dealt with debt. I've gone to the grocery store and been like, Lord, let this car clear. God redeems in open spaces. I've had people doubt what God was telling me to do. This is so heavy here. God is telling somebody to move forward in like school, business, something. Let me tell you, when I went to grad school, I lived in Phoenix and I came, I'm, I'm, I'm closing because we over time. I'm, I was in Phoenix, said I was gonna go to grad school in Atlanta. By then, I was a single mother of three. My mom was like, great, go get the law degree. So I was going to do law and ministry at the same time, because where I'm from, people couldn't make a living in ministry, and I really didn't want to spend a life working with church folk anyway. So I said, okay, well, God, you know, I'll appease you, and I'll go do this seminary thing. And by the time I got the rejection letter from law school, hear me, I didn't even want to go anymore. God had changed my heart. But my mother, who I'm close with now, and we have a great relationship, said, if you're not gonna go to law school, I will bring you your children and you can figure it out. And she drove my children from Phoenix to Atlanta and left them with me. And I was a single mother of three in graduate school. And when I tell you God filled in the open space, with community. He filled in the space with people. He filled in the space with provision. I'm not saying it was easy. I'm not saying my body didn't hurt on the journey. I'm not saying that there were some dark nights. I'm not saying there were some times that I doubted if I did the right thing. But I promise you, if you try the goodness of God, God will be faithful to you. Because all my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. This song means so much because I understand that. All my life, he has been faithful. All my life he has been so, so good, with every breath that I am made, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Remind yourself one more time, remind yourself one more time, for all my life. All my life he has been faithful. Come on. Tell yourself. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Here's why. Because your goodness is running after. It's running Me, your goodness is running after, it's running after me with my life laid down. I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Come on, it's running, it's goodness. running after somebody in here. All your life, whether you acknowledge him or not, whether you know him or not, the reason why you're still standing is because he's been faithful. But today is the day to go ahead and let his goodness catch you. Go ahead and let his goodness catch you. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, If you've never made a decision to declare him as your Lord, which means he's in charge, and your savior, which means he paid for your soul, he paid for your sins, if you've never made that decision, I would love to pray with you today. I would love to welcome you into the family of faith. The Father's Father's house is a great church. I promise you, when I left lunch with Lisa, I said, Pastor Terry, that is a man of God. If you have never made a decision to follow Jesus, would you raise your hand? I understand there are some leaders who are looking. You've never made a decision, ma'am. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I don't know what's protocol. Come on, come on, come on, come on. on. God bless you. God bless you. Is there somebody else? Stay right here. Stay right here. We're going to pray. Is there somebody else that's never made a decision to follow Jesus? I would love to lead you in a prayer of redemption, in the prayer of repentance. Sometimes you hear referred to as a sinner's prayer. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, come on, y'all close your eyes, y'all pray with me. What's your name? Angie. Angie. Lord God, we thank you for Angie, God. We thank you that you have been good to her, God. You have been faithful to her and you have kept her to this point. God, she is standing today making a decision to go forward. And so God, I ask right now that you would prepare the way in front of her as she follows you as her Lord and Savior. Angie, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God? Do you believe that he died for your sins? That means anything you've done wrong, you believe He died for your sins. Do you believe that he is coming back again for you? Amen. Then you are saved, Angie. Then you are saved. Then you are saved, Angie. Then you are saved. Then you are saved. Angie, repeat after me. Repeat after me. Go ahead and lift your hands. This is what we do as a sign of surrender. Close your eyes. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you rose on the third day day and that you are coming back for me from this day forward i will move forward serving you as my lord and savior in jesus name amen amen come on let's give god one more hand thanks for joining us if you said that prayer and surrendered your life to jesus it's the best decision you will ever make and we would like to celebrate with you we have some tools to help you on your journey Simply text DECIDED to 352-329-2301. That's 352-329-2301. Join us next time as we continue to love God, love people, and make disciples.